This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. So as I've mentioned before on um, some earlier episodes of the show, my family has recently been through a bit of a, a weird time. Um, in late August, there was Hurricane Laura that hit southwest Louisiana pretty hard. Uh, our house fared decently well. We needed a new roof, but so did everybody else in town. We lost a fence, but so did everybody else in town. Probably the hardest part was my daughter's swing set, completely and totally destroyed at just a month old and in the backyard, but, but we did okay. We were evacuated for right at about six weeks. We came home. We were getting resituated. By the way, in the middle of that evacuation, baby Claire joined her family, born out of town. Um, we get home. We're getting situated, and then here comes another hurricane, Hurricane Delta. We evacuated again back to the same place, got ourselves resituated, and when my husband came to check on the house, two days after the storm hit, we had sustained some water damage. And so since then, we've kind of been in rebuild mode. Now, I'm telling you all of this not to elicit sympathy. We're doing fine in comparison to a ton of people in southwest Louisiana. But because over the past seven to eight weeks or so, in the craziness of all of this, leaving, having a baby out of town, coming home, having to leave again, dealing with repairs on the roof and in the playroom and in the living room. And at the moment that I'm recording this, we still don't have a floor in the living room, and I don't know when it's going to happen. I have been leaning very heavily on the intercessory prayers of some people that you probably know. St. Peter, who kicked Jesus awake in the boat and shouted, do you care if we perish? I feel like I've yelled that to heaven many, many times. And so I've been asking St. Peter to pray for me. Therese of Lisieux, who has often said uh, that love is what counts the most, and that when we love people in small ways, we are doing the work of God. So how can I love my family in small, intentional ways, even when things are crazy all around us and we can't even get to the kitchen because it's a construction zone in the living room? I've turned quite frequently to St. Therese's mom, St. Zaley, who raised very strong-willed daughters. And as my three-year-old has begun school finally, uh, and as a lot of opinions, and as we've welcomed a new baby into the family and that three-year-old's routine has shifted and changed, I've been calling upon St. Zaley to, to pray for me to be a good mom. And I mention these three, uh, St. Peter, St. Therese, and her mother, St. Zaley, because they've been kind of heavenly companions and friends to me, kind of a, a part of my saint squad, so to speak. And asking them to pray for me in the midst of all of this chaos has been a comfort. And I know that they are praying for me because that's what the saints do. That's what we're talking about today on Ave Explores. The saints that pray for us. The saints that we call upon and essentially put them to work. They're in heaven. St. Therese, of course, Having said once that she wanted to spend her heaven doing good on earth, they're in heaven doing good for us, bringing our prayers, bringing our, our desires, bringing our questions and fears and concerns to the, the feet of the Lord. You know, in order for a person to be canonized, they have to have a miracle. And that miracle is proof and evidence that their prayers have been efficacious in the tangible physical world. Their intercessory prayers are powerful. We, we sat down with Maria Johnson. She's an author and a speaker, a former English professor. She lives in Alabama, not far from me. 
to talk about this concept of intercession, to talk about these saintly friendships, and to share with us a little bit of her own story, both the saints that she's close to, uh, her story of immigration to the United States from Cuba, and to really unpack for us what it means to call upon the saints as friends, as companions, as intercessors. Um, of course, this is all part of our Ave Explorer series on the saints, which you can find all of the content that we've created, articles and podcasts and Facebook Live conversations, all of that available to you on AveMariaPress.com, where you can sign up to get our weekly emails. Today, we're talking about how those saints that we're talking about, the communion of saints, these people that we are friends with, how that friendship with the saints is anchored, is rooted in us asking them to do their favorite thing, pray. Pray for us. Pray for the things that we've asked for. Pray that we become holy ourselves. So without further ado, a conversation with Maria Johnson about intercessory prayer and the saints. Well, Maria, thanks for joining us on Ave Explorers, for taking the time, for being flexible. Tell us a little about who you are, where you are, what you're doing in the world. All right. Well, I am a writer for Ave Maria Press, so I guess that's how we connected. Um, Actually, I am a a retired college professor, English literature. Um, You don't have to watch your language with me. (laughs) Um, And I was born in Cuba and raised in Atlanta and um, lived many, many years in Miami and then in France and then in Germany. And then now I am just south of Mobile on a little island where (laughs) if this is a spotty conversation, don't blame Katie Um, because um, we're just living the life of retirement on, on the Bay. And it's a beautiful place to reflect and pray and pray for all of you and write and read. And, uh, you know, I'm just a mom and a grandma living life. Cuba to Atlanta yeah. to France to Germany. What's the story there? Bouncing around internationally. What's the story? So, so actually I have a really, um, you know, I, it's Hispanic Heritage Month also. Yes. And, um, and so uh, my immigrant story is, is uh, you know, essentially my parents were dating in, in Cuba in the early 60s. This is post-communism. And um, my father had an opportunity to leave. Um, and so, uh, you know, my grandparents were, you better put a ring on it. <laughs> so my parents got, mad, got married really quick. And, um, and my dad left. As I think most young couples would say, you know, if you're immigrating to another country, he said, um, you know, let me, get, let me go and get a job and, and find an apartment. And then, and then I'll be able to call for you. Because he left under the visa situation is so crazy. Um, he left under his father's visa as a family visa. And so when he got to the United States, he was told that he could not bring his wife, mm. who was now pregnant. <laughs> and uh, so my parents were separated uh, for three years. I didn't meet my father until I was um, oh almost God. three. And uh, so we left. It was really crazy. My parents would get uh, a, a visa of a country that would accept us, but Cuba wouldn't let us out. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole bunch of visas on my little baby passport that show all the, all the entries and, and no exit. And so finally we came uh, to Mexico and, and we lived in Mexico for uh, a bunch of months until we were able to come in. So my point of entry into the United States is San Antonio, Texas. There you go. And, you, uh, you remember. <laughs> I remember. 
and, uh, and, and uh, my dad was actually working in Montgomery, Alabama, because that's where he got employment. So I always tease him. I say, wow, so you're a foreigner working in Montgomery, Alabama, in the middle of the civil rights movement. Yeah. And he said it was exciting. And, uh, and so he moved to Atlanta and actually was, my dad worked with all these guys that are, that, that, that have been just passing away and all those greats from the civil rights era. Yeah. How did that affect your family? I mean, that's just a yeah. fascinating idea that like your dad was in the thick of, of what we all now think of as history, but it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was really amazing. Um, he, so my dad, um, took whatever jobs were available at the time, which, you know, was in the, in the food industry at night so he worked in the restaurants and the and the nightclubs in Atlanta and um and so you know when you're in that life the after hours um are very important because you go to kind of you know to decompress a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh and so you know my dad my dad was a was a Cuban immigrant a Cuban exile really is is the term that we use Mm -hmm. and um so he got connected with the people in the after party you know with a lot of the African-American community which was very embracing of him and um so he would go and play chess at this place called Pascal's in Atlanta and um and so he knew these people and I don't know if you know anything about restaurants but uh, my dad was a major maitre d' in in some of the finer places in Atlanta and uh, he was actually Dr. King's call party um, or call, you know, King would request my dad. Wow. So when they were integrating the restaurants, my dad was serving anybody who wanted to go eat. He, he was like, you want to eat? I'll serve you. You know, that kind of foolishness of turning away um, African-Americans. And so, and so King would ask for my dad. And so my dad served him. Uh, and I remember, actually, I didn't, I didn't think that we were going to go down this route, but let's go down this route. <laughs> hey, it's fascinating. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I remember when I remember I was a very little girl, I was six or seven when, when King was killed. And, and I remember my dad's reaction was so forlorn and I, you know, I couldn't understand too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he expressed himself in a watercolor painting that is hanging in my mother's living room. My dad passed away a few years ago. Um, but it's still hanging in the living room. And I told my mother, I said, I got dibs on that. And I looked at my brother and sister and I said, don't even t- talk to me that's about mine. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's mine. Oh, yeah. So, well, that's, that's I, I mean, this is, this is topical and it's relevant. And I want to make the, I want to make the segue, the bridge. It, in life, we connect with people, right? We connect with, with men and women, sometimes famous people right. like Dr. Martin Luther King, sometimes your next door neighbor, um, and when we lose those people, we still feel a connection right. with them. And that's, that's a very Catholic idea that we're not, oh, okay, well, they're dead, they're gone, that's the end of their story. I mean, that's, it's really the communion of saints. I'm, I'm curious, right. do you think maybe some of your dad's story, your mom's story, being exiles from Cuba, having to bounce around to find a landing pad, how has that influenced your faith and your, your professional writing, but also just your day-to-day existence as a Catholic woman? Uh, yeah, that's a great question because um, for for those of us who are Catholic, and I was fallen away Catholic for mm-hmm. you know for a very long time through my twenties and and into my thirties, um, but you can't escape that worldview that's Catholic. You can't you can't escape that mindset, which is which is really Catholic, which is universal, which is really understanding our humanity and understanding. Um, our uniqueness and understanding that we are part of something bigger, you know? Um, And if you're not Catholic, it's just that you're a part of a community. But if you're Catholic, that community is the communion of saints. Um, 
and it's and it's really a it's really a great way to approach life knowing that you are one unique no one else is like you but two that you are a part of something bigger that you are a part of of this communion of saints we're saints here on earth trying to be saints anyway for sure yeah. i am in progress Fail every yeah. day get up and try again but in progress that's why we call it practicing right um but um you know i grew up with uh uh, a devotion to Our Lady of Charity, who is who is the image of Mary um, that Cubans venerate and and, and are devoted to, um, but also the saints. and And you had asked me earlier who my who my go to saint was to to I guess end our conversation today. But I grew up with Saint Teresa of Avila everywhere because my mother, her sisters. It turns out that years later, my mother in law were all educated by Carmelites in Cuba. Mm. And so that means that I had a very great distaste for St. Teresa of Avila because when they all got together, they would go to their annual reunion of all the years of all the Teresians in Miami and they would drag me to these meetings so that they could show off their children. And, you know, by then I was a sullen teenager and wanted no part of this or St. Teresa. So St. Teresa and I were not on friendly terms for probably the first 50 years of my life. (laughs) And uh, so St. Teresa was a big saint that was, uh, you know, in our lives as well. Yeah. Well, I love this idea of um, we're part of this bigger family as Catholics. You've written a few books about this, right? Like you've you've dove in, dived in. You're the English professor. You can correct me if I need to be. You've gone into the depths on this idea. Your first book, I remember grabbing it off a Catholic bookshelf. Um, This is obviously a a kid-friendly podcast, but the fact that Ave published it, I think, makes it a kid-friendly title, The Badass Book of Saints. And I remember grabbing it off the shelf and turning to my mom and saying, I like this publisher. (laughs) And now I work for them because they had the boldness. Tell me a little about... In, in, your, in your professional, I want to write, I want to produce great Catholic things. Why was that the book that you wrote first, this book about these, these, these saints that are pretty killer? Um, and, and if I could give a little shout out to, uh, to our friends at Busted Halo, the pronunciation of the title of my book is my badass book of saints. <laughs> um, uh, I love that. <laughs> thank Father Dave for that. <laughs> Um, but uh, so here's the thing. I, I, I've, I've written fiction most of, most of my life and, um, and some poetry. And I really just wanted to be on the New York Times bestseller. I wanted to be a bestselling author. And, and I wrote trash, trash for 30 years. And I have a box of, um, you know, rejection slips of, of I've never been published in the secular market. Um, and then as I was having this reversion to the faith, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, okay, so my writing is a gift of God, from God. And so let me just give it back to God. And so I started writing, uh, you know, don't look me up on the interwebs, please. Um, I have a really trashy old blog that was just embarrassing. Um, that was very, very, just very whatever. At any rate, um, I started to write for rosaryarmy.com and then catholicmom.com. And I really just started expressing my Catholic faith and um, was supporting all of the other Catholic writers. Um, and I was just doing my little quiet thing in, in the corner. Um, and one morning I saw 
this great story about a woman, Bland, a, a nun, a sister of charity, Sister Blandina Sigali, who had faced um, Billy the Kid three times in her lifetime, each time just putting him in his place. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and I thought, oh my gosh, what the world needs is more badass women like this. And I reposted the, uh, the article that was the, um, the, the opening of her canonization process. Mm-hmm. And I, I kid you not, it wasn't five minutes and, and Heidi um, had called, called me out. She says, would you write a book for us? Yeah. And I said, oh, on what? <laughs> you have an idea? And she says, well, these, these women who are exceptional and, and, and what, what? And so I did, and it was the funnest thing ever. It, it's a litany of my saints. I pray that litany of, of Maria's saints um, uh, almost every morning um, because I thought, you know what? We need to look for role models that are exceptional and that can teach us what actual heroic virtue is. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's, it's eight or ten saints. I, I, the Holy Spirit wrote that book through me, so <laughs> yeah. I always have to say, give me a second to recap how many saints I'm talking about and who they are. But what I did was put together women that I think are really cool women, women like um, I've got um, Audrey Hepburn up on the wall with her quote about, uh, let me me see what it is. The beauty of a woman is not in the clothes she wears, the figure that she carries or the way she combs her hair. The beauty of a woman is seen in her eyes because that is the doorway to her heart, the place where love resides. The beauty in a woman is reflected in her soul. It's the caring that she lovingly gives, the passion that she shows, and the beauty of a woman only grows with passing years. Mm. So um, this is a woman who was not at all religious. Mm. And so I thought, you know, we can look to these role models who are these really amazing women, but also what happens if there's grace in the picture? What happens if we embrace that grace that the Lord gives us? It makes sense. So I start the conversation with these amazing women who do crazy things like Sister Segal. Um, and, then I, and then I think about who are the saints who do the same thing with grace and can show us a path to holiness. So, so that's what my, I guess that's what my shtick is, is that I look for good role models, but then I pair them with great role models yeah. who are saints. So I paired her with St. Teresa of Avila, who had a tepid faith, I mean, she became a Carmelite, not because she was so in love with the Lord that that's what she wanted to do, but because she didn't want to get married. And so that was a place for security for her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, can you imagine going into the Carmel with that attitude? Right, right. Um, I'm going to give up everything just because I don't want to get married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, I pair, so I pair these things. And, you know, I did it in the second book on the Supergirls um, with, with uh, so many people loving the the superheroes today, I thought, well, you know, let's look at who these people are in the culture. They're good role models because they have human virtues, but let's add grace to the mixture mm-hmm. and shake it up a little bit and look at you get a, you get a saint. You don't have to blow up things to show heroic virtue. You just actually just have to show up and yeah. love. Yeah. I mean, real people with real stories doing sometimes really crazy uh, you know, uh, almost absurd things like Catherine of Siena. I can never wrap my head around the idea that she went to go knock on the Pope's door and say, this has got to stop. Like that's absurd to me, 
But yet at the same time, I've I've been known to maybe text a priest or two from time to time and say, this has got to stop, right? So it's like you can kind of extrapolate a little bit of what, what these women and, and right, women right. did into our own lives. I hope you are enjoying this conversation with Maria Johnson and that you're learning a lot about the saints and in the second half of the episode about intercession. If you enjoy this content, you can sign up for all of the Ave Explorer series on the saints and get emails right to your inbox each week. Go over to AveMariaPress.com, click up at the top, sign up, and you'll have everything right in your inbox for the next three weeks as we explore the saints together. Back to the show. I want to ask you, Maria, we have a lot of listeners that... um, you know, that they want to learn more about the saints. Part of our, our goal with this series is to educate and inspire people to get to know these holy heroes. Um, one of the weird things we do as Catholics is, is we say very colloquially, we pray to the saints, but we know it's not praying to the saints. It's, it's praying almost with the saints and really asking them to pray for us. Can you tell us a little bit with your, put your professor hat on for a few minutes and tell us about the idea of intercession, what does it mean to ask the saints to intercede for us? So, uh, gosh, that's, that's putting me on the spot, right? Sorry, sorry. Well, that's, um, that's my favorite thing. When to do. we ask, <laughs> when we ask people, when we, I know it, I love it. Um, when we ask our friends to pray for us, you know, or, or, you know, I think that the easiest way to understand the saints is to think of them as, as friends, friends in, in our lives, and then how we think of our friends and family members once they have passed on. Um, and so uh, when we ask for intercession, what we're asking for is the help of those who are already in heaven to pray for us. Mm. So we're not praying to them. We're, we're talking to them. Um, we're calling upon them with a, with a strong belief that they are going to listen to us and pray for us, pray for us. So when we ask for intercession, we're asking for a pray for a, a, a saint to come into conversation with the Lord, with Mary, with the other saints in heaven to pray for us, to help us. Um, it, you know, it's not a matter, you know, praying for intercession is not, I'm asking for a favor and it's tit for tat kind of thing where if I do this, um, I'm going to get that. No, the Lord has a plan for us. And we are living according to his will. Most of us are trying that anyway. And so when we pray for intercession, when we ask for this, for this opportunity to be prayed for, it is like calling in the big guns of people who are coming to our rescue. Think about how when we live in our lives, boy, I'm a little rambly, but it's, it's so complex when, and yet so simple. When we're on the playground with our friends or when we're out to dinner with our friends and we ask them for help, don't they want to run to our rescue and say, yeah, let me do this for you. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me help you out. Do you need your lawn mode? Do you need me to just sit quietly with you? Do you need me to hold your hand? Do you need me to rage with you? You know, whatever it is that we ask of our friends, we can also ask of the saints to, to intercede for us, to pray for us, to, to have our back, if you will, mm. please cut this down because it's too <laughs> no, much. No, I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but my, my passion for it is that the saints are real people. Um, I was talking about my dad who passed away a, a few years ago. And every once in a while, I'll just look up to heaven and, you know, pump my fist at him and say, pop. Yeah. 
you left us when we needed you most. And then at the same time, I look up at him and I'm, and I'm thinking, pop, <laughs> you're in the right place. Yeah, do something. Go, yeah. go to say Teresa. My father was very devoted to do, do something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's that sense of, it's that sense of familiarity. Um, it's that sense of having, having a, um, having a team behind you that is praying for you. And it's, it's a great source of consolation. You don't always get what you want when you pray. You know, sometimes <laughs> the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, especially, sometimes it's been a resounding no. But then the yes that comes later and the, and the, and the peace that comes from knowing, well, you know, um, I've got the saints praying for me. I've got Mary. We forget that Mary is our first intercessor. Um, you know, we, we, we have a, a whole beautiful history of Mary as our intercessor. Um, because in, in the in the wedding of Cana, she had the first intercession that we have a record of when she went to Jesus, you know, asking for him to to help. So uh, I don't think it's a weird thing at all. I think that people who don't understand that we're not praying at these graven images, but rather thinking of people who have already gotten it right and are in heaven to help us get it right here on earth. I like that. They got it right. They clearly made it. We've affirmed it officially as a church. Okay, so now you need to help me. Like, it's the St. Therese of Lisieux's quote, I want to spend my heaven doing good on earth. Um, at last, yeah. last week when Hurricane Delta, yeah, last week when Hurricane Delta hit, I have to keep them straight in my head. We were evacuated to my grandparents' house again, um, and the power flickered, and I immediately, I turned to my husband and I said, okay, we're, we're saying a litany of saints. It's 1030 at night. I don't want to lose power again with a newborn this time around. And so we just literally started listing off the oh saints boy. that we're close to, like our family saints, some of the new saints. Blessed Carlo wasn't even beatified yet, but you better believe I was asking him to pray for us. Um, and just asking them to you kind were of, asking him. Yeah. Protect the oh. house, put a barrier over our wires so we don't lose power. And I think... I think from the outside looking in, somebody would say, okay, that's absurd. Yeah. But within the Catholic Church, we truly do believe that these, these saints can actually go to God on our behalf. This is not some crazy thing to think about, right? They're, they are our heavenly companions and advocates. If I could ask you to pray for you, I mean, I was praying for you guys. I know what it's like to be in a hurricane in, mm-hmm. with, with, with little children. <laughs> um, so if I can pray for you, sure. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't St. Therese or St. Clair or St. Rose or all your saints, um, you know, pray for you. Right. When I love that phrase, all your saints, because we all have, we have our family cheerleaders. I mean, I've got images of different saints in my mm-hmm. house that I'm particularly close to. We have an episode coming up with Meg Hunter Kilmer, who's kind of known as the Saint Ninja in the Catholic Instagram world. And she talks about saints whose names <laughs> I've never even heard. And it's like, you know, like now I need to add those people to the, I've got an, you can see that little image of the females yeah, right. on top of your book. Your book is right underneath that, that, um, you know, these are, these are our cheerleaders. They're our friends. <laughs> I asked you who your favorite yeah. was right now. Like okay. who's been close to you in the chaos of 2020 besides Teresa of Avila, have you turned particularly to any one holy person in this weird year? Well, I have, I'm, I'm facing, I'm facing my, my bulletin board, and I have on my bulletin board St. Mary MacKillop, St. Mary of the Cross, who was an Australian saint. You got her there? I have St. Philomena, who we know zero about. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and yet I have been 
Yeah, she's almost legendary. She's, she's important, but yeah. we don't know anything about her. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, I've got St. John the 23rd um, in front of me here. And let me see who else do I have. I'm actually praying to a couple of uh, venerables. I've got, um, oh, I've got Blessed, uh, is it Blessed or is it St. Stanley Rother? Blessed. And this guy who married my parents, blessed still. I've got, uh, his name is Jose Vandor. He was a Silesian priest. He's a, he's servant of God. Mm. Um, married my parents. And um, I think he, bapt- did he baptized me? Now I don't know who baptized me. Um, but anyway, he uh, was a Hungarian priest who, who went to Cuba and uh and served because the um uh i don't know if you know that all of the uh, castro what was educated by jesuits so the first thing he did was collect all the jesuits in cuba and throw him throw them into a, a cargo boat and the original cuban religious were thrown out of the country in many instances um and i've got uh uh, a guy whose shrine I want to go visit in Louisiana, Blessed Francis Xavier Silas. Yes, yeah, Blessed Silas. Yeah, Silas. Yeah. Um, and uh, he is very, I, I just call him uh, Francis because we're on a first name basis. <laughs> but he, um, uh, I pray, my husband has ALS. And so mm-hmm. he is very special to me to, to be uh, praying to Blessed Frank here. So um, these are these are the, these are just saints that I go to on a daily basis. Plus my daily morning ritual of going through all of my family saints, all the named saints of all of my children, and <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the text messages that go out. By the way, today's your feast day. So <laughs> yes. yeah, I have a posse. Oh yeah, I love that. I love that. There's it's a squad, as the millennials would say, right? We've got our team behind us. Maria, where can we find out more about you and what you're doing? Right. Buy your books, you know, read that poetry that, that, you, that you, you're hiding somewhere in the world. I think that mariamjohnson.com is a good place to start. And it's got, it's got my blog on there and, and some other things. If, you, if you're interested in Our Lady of Charity, Yes. Um, I've got a photo gallery there of people who've sent me pictures, you know, of, of images of her that they found across the United States and, and in Cuba. So yeah, start with MariaMJohnson.com or you can follow me on social media um, awesome. at Pego because that's my real name, Begonia. Oh, I didn't know that. I wondered what that was. I Bego was how I was saying it in my head, my, my very non-Hispanic. I, I mean, I'm a quarter Puerto Rican and no one would ever know it, but I, I did. Well, that's good to know. It's a beautiful name. We'll have all that down in the show notes. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being again, so flexible with all of the, the crazy reschedules. Uh, the, the story of this episode is it had that's to happen. Awesome. We just didn't know when, but I'm grateful that it did. So thank you again for taking the time, Maria. It happened on the feast of St. Teresa of Avila. It did. The Lord knew. It's he knew pleasure. the construction had to be happening and we couldn't, we couldn't record yesterday. So thank you again. There's something quite beautiful about being connected to the communion of saints, that we are not cut off from the holy men and women who are worshiping eternally. And that in fact, turning to them is an essential element of our faith, that it's critically important that we be unafraid to turn to 
the men and women who walked this earth, some a long, long time ago, some just a few years ago, that we turn to them, that we learn their stories, and that they learn our stories. Isn't that the really profound thing here? That the saints in heaven can get to know us, can choose us in some way, can walk alongside of us, that St. Therese of Lisieux uh, can pray for me in a moment where I'm particularly struggling to be generous and kind and loving, that her mom can can pray for me in a moment when I'm struggling to be a, a focused parent of a strong-willed child, that St. Peter can be alongside of me as I'm, I'm crying out to heaven, that we can turn to these these, set, these saintly men and women, these, these friends of ours in heaven and say, I need help. Can you help me? That that's what intercession truly is. And that intercessory prayers are powerful. I think Maria really captured that beautifully in both her own personal faith story and, and journey to America, but then also in the way that she turns to the saints and the way that we turn to each other and ask for prayers. We turn to, to our friends in heaven and ask for prayers. All of this is part, of course, uh, of our Ave Explorer series on the saints. You can find all of the content, excellent articles, great Facebook Live conversations, more podcast episodes, and some exclusive social media content. All of that's available over at AveMariaPress.com. You can click on the link at the top, sign up. You'll get the emails every week. I would also encourage you right now, as you're listening to this, go over to Instagram, if you're on Instagram, and follow Ave Maria Press, and you'll get everything in our stories and on our feed and the IGTVs that post there, some really cool things that you don't want to miss out on. Uh, click on over to Instagram, follow Ave Maria Press. You know, here at Ave Explorers, we have real conversations with real people about their real faith. And I, I think today's was an excellent example of what real faith looks like in the world today. Join us next week for a couple of excellent conversations about how the saints, even in their brokenness, can be examples to us and how to incorporate liturgical living with the saints in our family lives. Thanks for listening this week. As always, we'd be grateful for a rating and review, and we're, of course, grateful for your time. See you soon.